0: gospel is resilient, the word of God cannot be stopped, and the local church is alive and well. My name is Aaron Taylor. I have the privilege and the honor of serving as the teaching pastor here at Living Hope Columbus, and we are so glad that you have chosen to tune in today. Um, I think it's appropriate, and you're probably sensing a little bit in my voice, um, a weight that is felt right now. Um, I think it's appropriate as a church that we address the quote, elephant in the room today. Uh, This has been a very tense week for our nation. Uh, There's a lot of emotion uh, rightfully swirling around in our country, and I will be completely uh, transparent with you. I feel ill-equipped to even address this. Um, I fully acknowledge uh, what is going on, and and even as a pastor, I want to make sure uh, that I utilize my voice and my platform to speak truth as much as I'm able into current situations. And so I have wrestled with this uh, for really the past 72 hours on what to say. And uh, I've written this down just because this has helped me gather my thoughts. And I ask you, as you hear these words, um, that you receive them in a spirit of humility, um, that we live out the spirit of Christ found in Philippians 2, that we are humble and we are teachable, And we're seeking the best interest of other people over ourselves. And there's many things, friends, I will be completely honest with you, that I just don't understand, and I acknowledge that. Um, But I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to be better. And I want to lift up Jesus above everything and in everything in my life. And so uh, let me simply read to you what I've written down, and then we're going to pray. And we're gonna talk about Jesus. It's no secret to any of us that 2020 has been quite the eventful year for our world and our nation. Around every corner is a new event that is sparking fear, grief, and pain in the lives of men and women and children around our country. And it's now more evident that in any, than in any time in recent memory that our world is truly groaning for the return of Jesus as Paul reminds us in Romans 8, 22. This past week with more unnecessary deaths that are happening among our African-American brothers and sisters, the open wounds that they have felt for many years have been brought to light yet again. And I'll be honest with you, my heart hurts and I don't know what to say. As our law enforcement are doing their best to serve and protect in the shadow of this recent injustice, the reality is as well, they've been met with hostility and anger. And my heart hurts and I don't know what to say. In the past five days, I have talked with friends on the phone and through text message. I've seen posts on social media of men and women and children who are, they're hurting and they're in pain over the death of George Floyd and the injustice that this has brought to light in our country and I'll say it again my heart hurts and I'm not sure exactly what to say in this moment I've talked with friends and I've seen their posts on social media and of police officers and their spouses and their children who currently in this moment they're fearful and they're hurting and again my heart hurts and I don't know what to say well, the reality is this, is, is that as a, a human, as a pastor, there's, there's some things, again, I don't understand. I haven't had to experience, but my heart still aches. There's still a restlessness in my spirit that I am struggling to navigate right now. And the only thing that I've been able to do in this moment as I'm seeking to learn and, and to grow is I'm asking Jesus to fix what is broken. That's what we need in our country, is we need Jesus to fix what is broken. Yet at the same time, we, we grieve the death of our brothers and sisters who are image bearers of God. Hear that today. Image bearers of God. We grieve as a nation the misuse of force in our country. We grieve the spirit of racism that is still felt, that is still present, and that is still lingering in our nation right now. That is from the pit of hell, and it is from the devil, and we grieve that and we condemn it. Friends, we grieve the brokenness and the open wounds that are present in our society. We grieve the pain that people are experiencing. I was reminded last night of Solomon's words in Ecclesiastes 3. That there is a time to mourn, and there is a time for the people of God to weep. And that time is now. I'm simply asking Jesus to give us a posture of humility, a posture of unity, and a posture of teachability as we move forward. And my prayer is that the local church would serve as a beacon of hope in the midst of what is hopeless. We must be a lighthouse pointing back to Jesus. Friends, we need to hurt together. We need to hurt with our friends. We need to listen well during this season. May we never turn a blind eye to what is going on in our country, but may we link arms across our perceived differences, understanding that God created every single one of us in his image. Jesus is the only hope of the world, and if we don't share him and show people him, nothing will change. There's some things I just don't understand. And I admit that this morning, but I want to make a difference however I can. And I think right now for the local church, that's going to start with us praying this morning. Would you join me wherever you are today and pray? Lord Jesus, thank you again for this day. Father, thank you for the privilege we have to boldly and confidently come before your throne as Hebrews 4 teaches us. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus on behalf of all men, women, and children across our world, past, present, and future. Jesus, we pray today for peace in our nation. God, disunity has struck a chord yet again, and Father, we need peace in our country. Father, we, we fully acknowledge and realize that things have transpired in our nation, Lord, not just this past week, but over the past several, several years. Father, may you draw us together. May we become one yet again. Lord, may the spirit of Jesus reign and rule in our country once again. Father, also give us perspective. Jesus, there's things, again, as we've said over and over this morning, we just don't understand. God, give us the perspective and the teachable and humble humble spirit we need to understand Father, may we have uh, ears to hear people. May we do more listening than we do talking over these next several weeks. Father, keep us humble. God, give us patience in the midst, midst of all of this. Father, we understand that some things just simply take time. God, give us patience to move forward together in that spirit of unity. And Father, last And certainly not least, the most important of all, may you simply pour out a spirit of revival across this country. Father, may the local church rise to the occasion in this season. God speaking the truth of the gospel into hopelessness during all of this. We need the spirit of Jesus to intersect our country and to change lives. Father, we're all equal at the foot of the cross and that's where we need to run today. Father, I pray that the words I've shared this morning are received with the spirit of Philippians 2. Father, we're considering others as more important than ourselves, Lord, that we are humble in the midst of all of this and that most of all, that Jesus would be lifted high. We love you, Lord. And I pray now as we open your word together that Jesus would be made big and Father, we would simply look to the cross today. In your name we pray, amen. If you have a copy of God's word, turn with me to Philippians chapter two today as we continue uh, this series that we have called Joyful. We're in week number seven of this series, week uh, 12 that we have been in quote, this uh, odd season as a nation, three months into this. And uh, uh, we've just been making our way verse by verse, very a slow walk through the book of Philippians. I hope this has been helpful for you. Philippians chapter 1 is where we're going to be camping today. We're going to read verses uh, 22 through 26. Philippians 1, 22 through 26. Wherever you are today, if you're on your couch, if you're in your kitchen, wherever you are, stand with me in honor of reading God's Word. And Paul writes these words. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Verse 25, since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and for your joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Let's pray again. Jesus, thanks again for this morning. Father, for the privilege we have to open your word together. God, may you teach us today, give us the ears to hear, hearts to receive, hands and feet to live it out as we chase Jesus this week. May we leave here different than when we came, Father, because we've encountered you. It's in your name we pray, amen. For years, I've really wrestled with a question in my Christian faith, one that I'm sure you have wrestled with many times before as well. And it's this, and I'm going to explain this more here in just a few moments, but the question I've wrestled with has always been this. When I got saved, why didn't Jesus just take me straight to heaven? Let me me say that again. When I got saved, the moment I began following Jesus, why didn't he simply take me straight to heaven in that moment? Wouldn't that make a lot more sense? For me at the age of 15 when I prayed to receive Jesus in my life, when Jesus Christ saved my soul, to me, it would have made much more sense for him in that moment just to zip me straight up to heaven. I feel like if Jesus would have done that, I could have avoided a whole lot of suffering in this life. I could have avoided a whole lot of stress in this life. I could have avoided a lot of pain. You, you get the picture. And it's a question that I honestly, I have wrestled with over and over many times through the years. And I believe it's really a question that many Jesus followers never fully get over. I I know for me personally, there's times where maybe a a day has been difficult. Maybe I've, I've been engaging in an incredibly rough week. And I'll be simply sitting at my home, maybe sitting at my desk, driving my car, walking through the grocery store, and the question crosses my mind, man, what if Jesus just came back right now? Like right in this moment, what if Christ simply came back? He took his church to heaven, as 2 Thessalonians talks about. Eternity would simply be in front of us, yet at the same time, I'm caught in an odd tension as a Jesus follower that there's still so much I want to do and so many things I want to experience in this life. Yeah, I desire for Jesus to return, yet there's still things that I want to experience as well. We're going to wrestle through that tension today. Let me sum this up with two things today. Really, these two ideas, these two thoughts, these two mindsets that that will be, or I actually say should be, present in the life of a Christian that Paul really wrestles through here in Philippians chapter 1 in these verses we read. Here's the first thing that I want us to understand. As a follower of Jesus, first and foremost, we should long to be with Jesus. We should long to be with Jesus, because here's the truth. The world is painful. I think we've seen that and I think we've felt that at various levels these past few months. That's a reality. The world is painful. Stress and suffering and pain are natural part of the Christian experience. Hear that this morning? Christianity is not void of suffering in any capacity. That's a biblical truth that we cannot avoid today. It's not a popular truth, but as we've seen these last seven weeks in Philippians, it's still a reality. And when we experience pain, when we experience suffering, we rightfully should desire heaven. That's part of the pain's purpose, is it forces us to look towards heaven, where there will be no more pain where there will be no more tears, there will be no more suffering, as Revelation 21 talks about. Yet, at the same time, there's another side of that equation for the Christian. While we desire and we long to be with Jesus, there's also this second thing that Paul talks about, that we still should long, and I say should long, to expand the kingdom of God on this earth. I like to call this the quote should be desire of the Christian because this should be how we live. This should be a desire in our heart where we want to do anything and everything uh, to expand the kingdom of God on this earth no matter the cost to us. I long to, to be with Jesus. That is true. But at the same time, I should desire to do his work on this earth. Do you see the, the back and forth that can be present in the life of a Christian? So let's work through this thought process with Paul this morning here in Philippians 1:22 through 26. Look at verse 22 with me again. Paul says, now, now, remember he just said to live as Christ, to die as gain in verse 21. He says, now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. Again, if you remember last week, if you tuned in with us last week, Paul laid out one of the most famous verses in the entire New Testament. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Philippians 1, verse 21. We said last week that simply summing that up with two two statements, if we're alive, we get to serve Jesus. If we lose our lives, we get to be with Jesus. Jesus. It's the win-win situation that is present in the life of a follower of Jesus. We can't lose. And while both of those things are completely true, Paul here shows us this navigating thing that he has going on here where he's really struggling which direction his heart should lean. He's reaching into a couple realities that are both true, and Paul's struggling here going, which one should I desire more? He really asks a few questions. Should I desire to be with Jesus? Should I desire to stay here and work for Jesus? Or should I desire both equally? Look at verse verse 22 again. What does he say? Paul says, "If, if if I live in the flesh, what does that mean? If I live in the flesh, that means that it's fruitful work for me. So as, as, as Paul's processing through his thoughts here, we're getting a little glimpse into the, the thought process that Paul is wrestling through here. What, what does he say? If God sovereignly, remember God is sovereign over all things, that means he's in control. If God sovereignly leaves me on this planet, remember you and I, our days are numbered on this earth. So if you are here, that's by divine plan. If God sovereignly leaves me here and I'm living on this earth, what does that mean? That the Lord still desires fruitful work for me. He still desires fruitful work for me for his kingdom's sake. If you're still living, God desires to use you. If you're not dead, God's not done. If you're still alive, he has a purpose for you to accomplish. If you're still living and breathing on this planet, he has a plan for you to engage in. But it begs the question for you and I as the Christian, we read that phrase that it means fruitful work for me. What is the fruitful work that Jesus is calling us to today? Friends, hear this. This is our mission. This is our fruitful work. And I think a lot of Christians, we don't wrap our heads around this. If you are still living, here's what Jesus has called you to. To glorify God and take as many people to heaven with you as you possibly can. It's the great commandment found in the Gospels. He wants you to love God and to love people with everything you have. We get to do that. We get to do that. And here's what we struggle with. I want us to see this this week. If you're a note taker, you need to write this down. We've mixed up our responsibility and our purpose as Christians. Let me say that again. We've mixed up responsibility and purpose as Christians. Let me explain this. As a Jesus follower, you have a responsibility to be a productive member of society to work hard, and to care for your family. That's biblical. You have a responsibility to do those things. But what we often do is we take that responsibility and we view it as our purpose. We take that responsibility and we plug it into the slot that is our purpose as Christians. That is not your purpose on this planet as a Jesus follower. Your purpose is to glorify Jesus and tell others about him. Your responsibility is to be a productive member of society, care for your family, and work hard. They're different. And we've mixed them up as Jesus followers. Let me explain it this way. Hear this this morning. If I was a mechanic, I'm not a mechanic who also happens to be a Christian. That's wrong. I'm a Christian Glorifying God, taking as many people to heaven as I possibly can, who also has a responsibility as a mechanic. For me, I'm not a dad who also just happens to be a Christian. I'm a Christian, first and foremost, a citizen of heaven, who also happens to be a dad. You see, my purpose informs my responsibilities. I'm not a manager of a business who also happens to be a Christian. I'm a Christian, first and foremost, who then happens to be a manager. Hear this today. Purpose always precedes responsibility in the life of a Jesus follower. First and foremost, I serve Jesus above everything, and then the rest of my life flows from that. And if Jesus has me on this earth, My foremost responsibility, as Paul shows us here, is to live out my purpose, to glorify God and take as many people to heaven as I possibly can the rest of my life. Look at Paul's next words, the end of verse 22 and verse 23. Paul says, I don't know which one I should choose because I'm torn between the two. There's that tension that Paul walks us through again. He wants to stay on this earth and live out his purpose, glorifying God, taking people to heaven with him, but he's torn. Because he's like, man, I, I want to do that, but I desire to be with Jesus. It's important to note here, this is a hypothetical question that Paul's really wrestling through here. We don't really, uh, uh, we don't get to choose the length of our, our lives. We, we know that. That's sovereignly chosen by God. But Paul says, man, if, if I did have a choice, I would be torn right here. I have a desire to go to heaven and be with Jesus like all Christians should have. That's That should be desire. Yet at the same time, I want to stay and I want to reach more people. When Paul uses that word torn right there in verses 22 and 23, typically when we hear that word, and especially in the way that Paul is framing it up here, um, we think of somebody who really has a hands extended out to both sides, and they're being pulled in two different directions. On on this side, this desire to be with Jesus is pulling me, but on, on this side, this desire to stay and serve Jesus is also pulling me as well. And you got this person that's being pulled into two different camps. Well, that's actually not what Paul is conveying here. It's actually the opposite of that. It's interesting. The, the word torn there is actually a Greek word that conveys this idea of, of being pressed against. Think of it this way. Um, years ago, I got to go to a, a dairy farm. And you'll notice at the dairy farm, some of you are thinking, really, you? Yeah, Me. Uh, got to go to a dairy farm and at the dairy farm what's interesting is back in those barns obviously they have to navigate those cows into certain areas of the barn so what do they do they have like these little like uh, uh, fences on both sides of the cows where the cows can only go one direction but here's what's interesting about those fences they're only as wide as the width of a cow and so as those cows are walking through those fences here's what you constantly see they're bumping into each one on both sides as they're moving forward That's what Paul is, the picture that he's giving us here. He says, on this side, the desire to be with Jesus is pressing against me. And on this side, the desire to stay and and serve Jesus on this earth is pressing against me. And he says, given the choice, I don't know what to choose because I love both options. Here's a question I've been processing this week. What if we walked that way as followers of Jesus? What if we walked in such a way that we were so in love with Jesus, so in love with his church, and so in love with people outside of the church all at the same time? That we let the pressures of all of those things simply weigh on us as the reminder that we love those things so much. Could we live in such a way that heaven is always on our mind and other people is, are always on our hearts where, where we live in such a way that Jesus is my life and loving other people is the greatest joy of my heart. Where it wasn't an if or, but it was a both and. Both are essential in my life because I, I can't get them off my mind. Verses 23 and 24. Paul says, I long to depart and be with Christ, because that's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. I think this is an important part of the passage for us to understand because Paul is really giving us a glimpse into his understanding as to why Jesus leaves us here on this earth. Notice what he says again. This is repetitive in Paul's verbiage here. I long to depart and be with Jesus. That's better. Jesus is better. Heaven is better, period. At the end of the day, that is true. Friends, let that truth echo in your heart today. And if our lives were simply about us, this would be the end of the discussion for Paul. I'd get saved. I'd had North to be with Jesus because it's all about me. It's better to be with Jesus. But listen, I want us to hear this, hear this today. Our life is not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about other people. And when we understand that, we start to gain some clarity here. What does Paul say? Look at verses 23 and verse 24. Specifically 24 again. What's Paul say? To remain in the flesh is what? Necessary. Needed. Why? For your sake. Think about this. What if the reason that God leaves you and I on this earth is actually for the benefit of other people and not for the benefit of you and me? What if Jesus is leaving you on this earth right now because somebody in your circle needs to know him yet? maybe, maybe. Jesus still has us here because somebody in your local church still needs to be encouraged and you're the one that is going to do it. Maybe Jesus left you here because there's still somebody that needs to be served through your experiences. See, that's that posture of Philippians 2. Living Christian humility out. Thinking of other people more highly than we think of ourselves. Why? Because it's never about me. It's always about Jesus. I'm going to say that again louder for the folks in the back. It's never about me. It's always about Jesus and about other people. And friends, if he still has you and I on this earth, that means that Jesus still has a task for you to do to serve and benefit somebody else. Look at how Paul closes out this section of verses. He says, I'm persuaded, I'm convinced of this, that I'm going to remain And I'm going to continue with all of you. Why? For your progress. That's the idea of chopping down brush in a field. We're going to clear this dude out. We're going for your progress and your joy in the faith. So that because of my coming to you yet again, your boasting in Jesus may abound. Paul says the reason that Jesus has left me on this earth is for your sake. I'm going to serve you, Paul says. And I'm going to love you with my entire being. He reminds the Philippians, I'm not here for myself. If it was up to me, I'd go and be with Jesus. But it's not. He says, no, Jesus left me here for you. And I'm going to do whatever I got to do to ensure that Jesus is glorified in your life. And to ensure that Jesus is glorified in my life through me serving you. Point of application, and we're done today. Can the same be said? about us today what if as Christians as we enter into really these new realities and new seasons that God is inviting us into as a church what if we laid aside the selfish desires of our hearts we're always seeking to serve ourselves guilty right here we're always seeking to serve ourselves what if we pressed back against that very nature of our hearts and said you know what I'm going to do whatever it takes To serve somebody else. I'm going to do whatever it takes to love somebody else because it's not about me. It's about them. It's about loving Jesus and loving them. And as long as I'm on this earth, I'm going to be about that. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thanks again for your word. Father, for the privilege that we have to walk through your word together. Father, I pray that you would remind us today that, Jesus, it's not about us. That, Lord, when we signed up to follow Jesus, we signed up to serve other people 100% of the time. Father, if there's any spirit of selfishness left in us, break it. If there's any spirit of pride left in us, Lord, break it. If there's any spirit, Lord, that is not a spirit of humility, remove it from our hearts, Lord today you draw us close to christ may he be the greatest treasure and the greatest joy of our hearts above everything else in the name of jesus christ we pray amen